Performance on Demand Podcast, number 36. E- Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Performance on Demand podcast with Craig and Jeremy, where you will learn all things endurance sports from training and nutrition to mental strength. Everything you need and want to know in one place. Welcome everyone to the Performance on Demand podcast. I am your host, Craig Willard, along with Sir Jeremy Brown. Sir, <laughs> what the hell? Well, I mean, I figured you I'll would. Be, <laughs> would you rather? Would you rather misses? Mrs. I am, well, I am drinking Mrs. A Jeremy new Brown. Belgium fat tire, so I guess sir <laughs> is kind of appropriate. That's that uh well, that, that naked world, that right? That fits the fat tire around your belly, sir. That's what I'm trying to actually put there. I'm trying to hope this would locate itself there. They say there's good fats in these bottles. I don't know. And how's how's your weekend going? Yeah, things are good. Um yeah, I made some horrible life choices and and did some <laughs> stupid races this weekend. And um one of them was really cool though, right? So one of them you what did you do? Ran super slow. It was well, amazing. That's, that's what you always do. So <laughs> no, um, I got to actually got the privilege and honor of, of guiding a uh, visually impaired triathlete uh, in a in a five mile running race today, and so basically you're tethered to him. And uh, it's uh, you talk about it, and I say this, I'll say it's an eye opening experience. I don't mean that to be funny. I mean it's literally it's like wow, this guy's completely trusting me and relying on me to tell him, hey, there's a crack coming up, or to clear people out of the way, or anything, and so. Just to think about the fact that he can't see a damn thing and he's completely trusting what – I mean I, I know him, but uh, I've ran with him a few times, but basically a stranger yeah. to, to get him not only safely through it but quickly through through the race. And so um, it was a hell of an experience. I really enjoyed it. Hopefully I'll get a call back and uh, uh, get to do some other cool stuff with him. That's really cool. I mean what's your excuse? I mean this guy's – Dude, yeah. I mean what I is mean, your excuse? Well, no, and Why are you not running? <laughs> He's ranked in the world, and, yeah. and he's got a good chance to make it to the, the Paralympic Games for a triathlon one day. So it's – I mean it's incredible. Um, I've seen him at races before, and he's fearless. He just hops in the water, and he's gone. You know, i got a guy tethered to him, and he doesn't think twice about it. And I see people treading water and flipped over and freaking the hell out. and He's just rolling. He not any better. He's he just going. He's in his so, own little realm. Yeah, that's it, and, and he that's loves awesome. it. So solid, solid guy. So that was kind of the highlight of my weekend, I guess. That's How about true. yourself? I didn't do a whole lot. Of, I had my daughter this weekend, so – uh, spent some time with her. We've done some things around the house. Um, I've been doing some homework. It's all that wonderful, awesome sounding stuff. You know what I mean? Just doesn't it sound awesome? It's just, it's just domestication. <laughs> if that's even a word. So, well, you well, know, I, you know, I've been putting my daughter's room together. So that's part of her Christmas. Is uh, I put it, put her. Uh, I got a new bed in her room. I put a new TV on the wall, and it's kind of like that makeover deal. But anyway, uh, I spent most of the weekend doing that and working on my basement. But um, we got a it's cool. Not, it's not about us today. It's not about us. It's today. not about us today. No, man, we have a really, really special guest. Does this um, guy come with intro music? I believe he? he has like he's like a WWF superstar who has walkout music. Correct? He does. Yes, he does. He has walkout music. Ladies and gentlemen, can I introduce you to the Little Caesars man, Pat Evo? What's, What's up, Pat? What's up? Hey, guys. I, I, I like the music. I, I kind of feel honored. 
But you know, I think I think a little ACDC next time. <laughs> okay, oh. I'll, take, I'll take Eye of the Tiger though. All it's right. funny because he said next time, so that means he hasn't got the first one, but he wants another one. So <laughs> that's hey, right. That's right. Can we end this podcast now on that's that right. high note? Can we get that writing? <laughs> can we get that writing? How are you, Pat? Yeah, yeah, good. Um, you know, it's a uh, we're we're coming to the end of 2015, so been a good year and uh we're in we're starting the the grips of winter here in boulder colorado so you know honest i got a new baby and uh so can't complain a lot of good well, things going you know on we're gonna get into all that because you know I've, I've known you for uh, i think we were just talking about a minute ago two maybe three years through uh other industry positions i was in and we became uh, i'll use the word friends you may call me something else but i'll call you a friend and that's okay yeah we different opinions um <laughs> But the path that I've come to know is is aware of many hats, and hopefully in chatting today we can kind of let people see that a little bit more. Uh, but if I had to put titles, you know, down below your name, you know, people that go to school they get all these fancy titles and these like initials and yeah. stuff, and uh, in no particular order, I'm going to go with uh, you're obviously a professional triathlete, you're a father, yeah. you're a husband, you're a coach, a new homeowner. What about a year into that process? Am yeah. I thinking? Yeah, yeah. And I remember, I remember the. Uh, uh, the struggles with that, <laughs> the stresses that that brought on. Um, I learned today that you're an engineer. I didn't know that. Uh, it makes sense. I, I, I'm a. I like to say I'm a recovering engineer. <laughs> recovering engineer. Well, I, it of makes course. sense because most pros that I know are freaking engineers. So apparently, I had a, I made a wrong life decision. But um, I will throw out their dog lover because I think you guys don't you guys have a golden retriever maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have a, a one-year-old uh, yellow lab. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, now is is that one related to any other famous pro triathletes? Is it related? No to relation, <laughs> but I li- I live about we my wife and I we we live about uh, less than a hundred meters away from Dee Dee Bauer and yeah. then maybe two hundred meters from Rachel Joyce, and so Dee Dee has a two-year-old yellow lab, and Rachel has. And we have a one-year-old yellow lab, and Rachel has about an eight-month-old yellow lab. So we wow. have these three high-energy dogs, and right in the middle of where we live, like kind of if you went from all of our houses, is a, is a small park in our neighborhood. So, so Dee Dee, her husband, yeah. Rachel, and uh, her boyfriend and myself, we all, all have a text group, and it's you know twice a day you'll just see a text from that group that says you know park in five min- minutes question mark and <laughs> we, all, we all bring our puppies out there and we let them romp around and and uh that's that's how oh, we that get does. away from not having to walk the dogs how, how quick has your pace improved since then <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually i've gotten slower because i just sit around watch uh, the dogs wrestle there you go sit, sit around and wait for that text to come through uh, yeah. So, so Pat exactly. just name dropped on us. He name dropped two of two of the premier pros, and uh, uh, it's funny because it's like Boulder is its own little, you know, its own little world up there. And you guys have obviously a lot of talent in that area, but the the traffic community is is very strong on the professional side up there. Um, and you know, I said all that, and I realized after I said all that, I was like, holy shit, I sound like a stalker. Uh, and you know, <laughs> don't put out any type of uh, restraining orders, Pat. I, I still do love you, but uh, not quite that much. So, um, yeah. But, you know, I know we've tried for a while to get you on here and, and, you know, it's kind of coming to the end of race season and, and we definitely appreciate you stopping in with this. And, you know, what we try to do here is we try to bring, bring light and, or shed light onto what, what endurance sports really are when you get like to the, the ground level of them. And someone like yourself, I mean, uh, I think I was, I was peeking through your bio earlier and it's like, uh, something like 2003 ish, you got started and, and didn't swim, bike yep. or run. Is that correct? 
That that's correct. Back uh, age twenty three, twenty four, I could not swim twenty five meters. Wow. Uh, I didn't know how to swim. I couldn't run a mile without stopping. Um, and I moved to. I, I'm from Detroit area. I went to University of Michigan, and I moved down to Austin, Texas, for my first job. And um, I just needed a, an activity because I was gaining weight, and it was kind of that post college time. And you you get you get done with that kind of party phase in your life, and you start thinking, well, what else more is there to do? And I I needed a hobby. And I grew up playing ice hockey. And actually, when I moved to Texas, the the moving company lost my hockey equipment. My plan was, oh, I'll play in an adult league, and that'll be my, you know, my way to stay in shape and have fun. And they lost my hockey equipment. And they, of course, they wrote me a check for it. But you know, when you get money and you drop it in the bank account, all of a sudden it's gone. And, gone. And <laughs> right, yeah. right. And, and hockey equipment, hockey you know, in Austin. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And, is, and, is there is there and, hockey in Austin? Uh, there's the Austin ice bats or there were, I haven't, I haven't, uh, been, been around in a while, but, uh, so I needed something and, um, you know, a pair of running shoes is a lot less expensive than buying a whole new set of hockey equipment. And, uh, and then in Austin in the summer as as, uh, Jeremy knows those Texas the summers sometimes are way too hot to even I had a community pool and I just went up one day and said, you know what, I'm going to teach myself to swim. And I couldn't swim 25 meters without a break. Um, and that summer I taught myself to swim and I went from not being able to swim 25 to after about two months, I could swim about 2000 meters straight without stopping. And it was just a matter every, every day after work, I'd go there and I'd say, okay, you know, yesterday I did a 50 today. I'm going to do a hundred tomorrow. I'm going to do 150 the next day. And I just keep pushing that limit. And I wasn't doing flip turns or anything like that. And I, I think at the beginning I was in board shorts, you know, I didn't know what I was doing of course, of course. and it just, it just progressed from there. And once the, once the summer cooled down, then I could start running. And, and from there I met friends through work who were also into, um, running and, and other sports. And they said, Hey, go buy a bike. We're going to get you into triathlons. And, and that's how it all started kind of in that 2002, 2003 time frame and I was just hooked and um I loved what triathlon brought to my life it brought friendships it brought challenges that was a time I was working in the semiconductor industry and in the early 2000s semiconductors were going through a huge downturn so right out of college where when I was excited for this this new work and career I was just surviving layoffs and I remember I survived eight rounds of layoffs and all my friends were getting walked out and we were getting pay cuts and and it was like I was in a point in my life where it was like I'm working so hard at my job yeah. to just not get laid off right we weren't getting promotions we weren't getting raises and so it was kind of this disappointing moment where you're excited for your new career and then you hit this downturn in the industry. So at that moment in time, the endurance sports were the only thing in my life where I had reward for hard work. Right. And, and you know, so, I've, I've, I've said that so often that it's, it is a blue collar sport. It yeah, has yeah, to but, be one where you work hard. And, and growing up, I, I was in athletics, but I wasn't, um, I w I wouldn't call myself an athlete, especially in the, you know, I'm a small guy. I'm, I'm five foot eight, you know, I'm, I, I'm in the low 140s in my weight and that's about, about the size. A, you're about a buck 20, Pat. You're about a buck yeah. 20. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's the size I was. And actually, I'm the, I'm the exact same height and weight I was when I graduated high school. So I wasn't a big guy. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to play football. I didn't have the eye-hand coordination in ball sports. So I wasn't good at baseball. I wasn't good at basketball. Um, but I found my niche. I played hockey growing up, downhill skiing. But I found my niche whenever it came to hard work, and I just enjoyed that. Just you know, just the grind, just grinding. Yeah, just the grinding. And when I finally found endurance sports when I was in my twenties, it was like I found my home. And it was it's a sport that you don't have to be big, you don't have to be shack size. Right. Um, and so actually, being smaller and lighter can be an advantage. Uh, no, yeah, to- I, definitely uh, for endurance sports. So, anyways, that got to it. Yeah. So, so Pat, and, and along that, let's fast forward a little bit. How long did you compete in the age group ranks before you had the opportunity to to turn pro? I now I, I'd have to look back exactly. I think it was about five years, okay. and it was one of these. It was one of these progressions where year one I was racing local races, and I did my first half Ironman, and I completed my first half Ironman. I said, "All right, I want to do a full." So I signed up for you know with with Ironman, you have to sign up a year in advance. So I signed up for Lake Placid the next summer, and with that, oh, I you said, picked well, a good run a marathon. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and yeah, that's a phenomenal race. And I said, okay, well, I better be able to run a marathon. So I signed up for the Austin marathon that winter. And, and, um, first, you know, I'd never run a marathon. I'd never like done any running. So I signed up for the Austin, um, distance challenge, which was a race series that builds you up. And my first marathon I ever entered, I ran a three hour marathon. And I was like, great. Holy shit. Wait a minute. Let's Let's back up, Pat. You just threw that out there. Like it was nobody's business. The first marathon you ever set foot on with a race bib was three hours flat. Yeah, three. I wanted to go under three, and it was like three hours and like thirty seconds or forty well, okay, seconds, let's, and let's, I was so mad. I wanted to see two. I wanted to see two fifty nine. <laughs> you couldn't have found like I'll ask my athletes. You couldn't have found forty seconds on that race course, Pat. What the hell were you well, doing? Forty I, seconds. I had, I had it and I, and I did, I made the, the rookie error and I was, I went out too hard and it was like the last five miles. I probably lost a minute per mile. So I was really at around mile 21. I was still, yeah, I was still at like a two fifty five marathon pace. And I, you know, I, I, it was the, the, it, not even a rookie mistake. It's a mistake we all make still. Repeated. Um, yeah. And, and then I went to my first Ironman that next year and I qualified for Kona in my first wow. Ironman. And, and it was one of these things where I thought this was going to be one and done. I'm going to do one Ironman and then I'm done and check it off the lifelong list. But then you qualify for Kona. So you got to go to Kona. You can't walk away from the sport then. So I go to my first Kona and actually training for it about four weeks before I was hit by a car in training. Oh, and it, it luckily it wasn't a bad accident. No broken bones shook me up. Just you know, soft tissue damage, bruising, you know, all the, the road rash. But I, I went into, I got to Kona and I'd missed several weeks of training. So it was one of those where it's like, well, I'm just going to go through the motions it, here yep. to ha- have the experience. So that kind of left me with this feeling of, well, I got to try to go back now. And um, I went to Coeur d'Alene that next year and finished 10th overall in the men's race. Jeez, including, including the pros. 
And it was like, you know, and it was like, whoa, and that was the first time I really surprised myself. And I went to Kona that year and then thought I was going to really knock it out of the park. And I tried really hard and, and actually blew up there. Anyways, long story short, the next year I was in the middle of changing careers. And I I'd found that manufacturing, I was a manufacturing engineer, industrial engineer, and I found that that really wasn't the environment I wanted to work in. Factories are not my... It's not my not, not not what I like. Um, I'd worked as an intern for one of the auto companies in an auto plant, and then I'd worked in semiconductors, and it's just not my doesn't fit my personality. So I was in the process of leaving that and going back to grad school, um, and I had decided I wanted to go work for the federal government in in intelligence, and so I okay. went back for a master's in um, international relations, international policy. And, um, uh, so at the time I had qualified for Kona that year, I'd started grad school. And I said, okay, last Kona, then I'm done. I'm focusing on this career change. I'm going to go be a, an analyst for one of the we'll intelligence agencies. Yeah. 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 I was excited for this career change. And I, I, you know, I, I, when I started grad school, I just kind of, um, I, I had like one month of training for Kona. And so I really like in between classes, I really like put the hammer down in training. And I went to Kona and finished fifth in my age group in Kona. And it was like, whoa, you know, you know, each year I'd been seeing progress. So the next year I said, all right, I'm not going to do any foals. Uh, this is kind of a long story. I realized going down a rabbit hole here, but That's okay. um, You're fine. You're fine. I'm not going to do, you know, in grad school, I'm not, I'm not going to do any full Ironmans because it's just going to take too much time. So I'm going to take a year and focus only on halves and see if I can get my, get, get faster, work on my speed. <laughs> and so I raced about five halves that year. And what I did was I, I decided to take a little gamble. And so I was full-time grad student, but I didn't work on the side. And I said, I'm going to take out student loans and whenever I'm not studying or in class, I'm going to be training and just see how far I can go. And with the student loans, that'll, that way I won't have to worry about finances. And, you know, I was living like a pauper. I was on the rice and beans. And, um, that year I won, I won a local half Ironman in Texas, which actually now has turned into the Galveston Ironman 70.3 at the time it was called the Gulf man. Um, I Got second place, including the pro field at, uh, it's called Gulf Coast Triathlon, which is a half Ironman on the Ironman Florida course. I won the first installment of the Steelhead 70.3. I got, uh, I finished, um, I won the USA Triathlon, USAT's long course national championship. It was at a, yeah, it was at a half in, um, outside of uh, St. Louis. And then I went to uh, the first Clearwater, and I ended up, I think it was about, I was like 17th overall in the first Clearwater, including the pros. Okay. And I was maybe third amateur overall. So so basically, Pat, to, to really bring that together, it's basically you said, you know what, screw it, I'm going to take a chance. And you invested yeah. the time and effort and energy into it. And obviously yeah. I would dare to say it kind of paid off, right? It was a good investment. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it was, and at the, and then I, I, I remember after, after that first clear water, my, my dad and I were sitting down after the race, we, we went to a pub and, and we were sitting there and I said, okay, dad, you know, 
you you have a lot more experience than I do. You know, if you were in my position, you know, would you take the next step and try to do this? You know, try to try to be a professional now, now that I've done all these things. And and he said, you know, you can't get to my age in life, meaning his and wonder what would have happened. And so I had my family, my parents there, they're, they were 100% behind me from the beginning. So those next couple of years, I still was in grad school, but instead of hammering through it, I, I, you know, I take one or two classes at a time instead of taking three or four classes at a time. And so I kind of, kind of eked my grad school out, but I still, the way I survived my first couple of years is I, I kept taking out those student loans and so that I didn't have to worry about sponsors in those first couple of years. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm almost done paying off those student loans. Nice. That was the, yeah, that was the investment in myself. And I, and I see guys in those first couple of years and I, and I still saved money from those, so those loans so that I kind of lived off of them for a while right, right, while right, right. I was cutting my teeth in the professional ranks. So that's how so, I supported myself at the beginning. So uh, that's, I mean, that, that's a hell of a story. I'd never heard the entire story, but it, it's one of, of perseverance is one of obviously struggle, uh, sacrifice and it's risk, you know, like risk, risk. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of uncomfortable, risk. And, uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there were stressful moments. I'm sure there were things awkward. that were like, am, awkward. Am I, am I I'm just doing, I'm just, I'm just trying <laughs> to, out random fucking words. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, Pat. We don't let him uh, usually mute his mic, but I, I can't reach it right now. Um, and so, uh, you know, usually when people get into those situations to where they can take that risk, they they don't because sometimes of fear, anxiety, you know, expectations they put on themselves. But obviously, you just put your nose down and said, "I'm going to try it and see what happens." And you know, not really throwing caution to the wind because you knew you had a skill set and a talent. But, right. you know, it was definitely a risk. And, and um, there are several pros. I think you and I have discussed this now, the state of the, the professionals in our sport. But there are several pros who are doing that currently. You know, they just kind of yeah. like, I got to give this a fair go and see what happens. Um, and so, you know, for me, from a, from a, a coaching or even from, a, from an athlete and a mental aspect, it's, it's admirable what you did. It's like you took that chance, you saw that door, and you walked through it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was, there was risk with it, but I was young enough. I was, you know, I was around 30 years old when all this was going on. And it was like, you know, I, I, I didn't have the financial commitments I have now with, with, uh, a family and stuff. So I could take a risk at that time. Right. And, right. you know, this sport and every, every professional sport, it's too competitive to go in and do it half-assed. Absolutely. You know, there, there are too many fast, fast guys out there. And if you look on, you know, Ironman's website on, under the, the Kona point, points ranking and you count the number of professionals that, you know, last year had Kona points, men and men and women, I think there's like 900 professionals, somewhere there's, close to that number. I had heard there and, were 1200 card carrying pros at one point. In time, okay. So, okay. Yeah. That's, yeah, so if you include Xterra and right. I'm sure there's it's others do ath pro do athletes. So you if you go in half assed, you're in this mass of twelve hundred people, like you said, and right. there are too many talented, fast people out there for you to, to just kind of, you know, not give it everything you've got. You have to you have to give it everything yeah. you yeah. have in your power to 
to even have a chance of succeeding at this sport. And, and there's no other way around it. Do it or don't do it. Yeah. And, and that's my advice for, for young guys coming in is, you know, take that risk, but also know that there's a chance that it might not happen. And, and if you try for a few years and you can't make it happen, um, you can't make ends meet or you're not meeting your personal goals, then, then be satisfied that you, you went for it, you took the chance and, and walk away, um, with that feeling that at least you tried something, you right. didn't stay in that cubicle and wonder your whole life, you know, what, what if I, what if I had given it that? Right. That well, at, at, well, as a mental coach, one of the biggest things that I work on is people is just to create action because, you know, we always have these dreams yeah. in our head. We always think of things that we want to do. We could do, we possibly should do if, but, but if, and there's always this, if I were, you know, not so busy, if I were not working full time, if I were whatever. And so we did, you know, specifically about what you said, podcast 21 is the hundred percent rule. And that is what we, where we talk about, if you're going to do it, do it. Because it. if yeah. you, if you're only given 50%, well, then you can expect that you're only going to get 50% of your ability out of your competitions. <laughs> now, not everyone wants to put in 100%, and that's okay, too. If that's, if that's someone's preference and they want to, uh, as another one of my podcasts, is the complete or compete, because not everybody wants to be competitive. Some people just want to get done. Uh, some people want to say that they've done one. But, um, no, I totally agree, and I think that's tremendously valuable to hear from you is to say, look, do this, but, but put forth the effort. And my question to you is, and I'm, I may put you on the spot, and I'm sorry. Do it. I'm going to do it spot. anyway. Put him on the hot seat. You're telling me that you give it everything that you have. And my question for you is why? That's a great question. And, and actually, you know, you and I, in our first, our, our, our first, you know, our first interactions on Facebook, right? I'm a huge fan of motivational speakers and especially Les Brown and Eric yep. Thomas. Oh yeah. And I watch and listen to a lot of their stuff. And like last winter, because I know Boulder winters are uh, a bit rougher than, than Texas winters were. So you yeah. spend a lot of time on the trainer indoors. Yeah. And so I made my own motivational montage of music and, and, um, and Eric Thomas and Les Brown and others. And Eric Thomas he says, you have to find what is, why? what is, what you know, is, if you don't know what your why is yep. when, when it hurts, when, you know, when, when you can't pay your bills, when you're, you know, you have to, that why, and he says that why has to be deeper than you. Yep. And it can't just be, oh, I just want to have this fast time it, because there are so many times where it is so hard. You're injured, you know, you're losing sponsors. Uh, you know, new guys are coming in that are blowing away times and you're like, you know, so there are, there are a lot of times. So, so my why, and it's, it's this deep seated, like, you know, th the reason I like this sport is I want to find and explore what's, what's deep down inside of me. Mm -hmm. And if I don't do this and if I don't, when I, the day I walk away, the day I retire, I want to be able to say, I found what's the deepest place inside of me, that deepest, darkest place and find out what I'm really made of. Yeah. And if I, like you said, finally give 50%, I know I'll never reach that. And I think we grow as people, as humans, when we explore our talents and, 
And I feel like, you know, the the talents I have, we they're given to us. And if we don't explore them, they're wasted. You know, Absolutely. they they, they just they just you might as well just throw them in the trash bin. So that's really that's what my why has been for so long. And now it's still there. And that's still like the core. Now, mm. when you add in the family and, you know, we, my wife and I have a three month old baby and mm-hmm. it's like now it's I remember even when you know he wasn't even born yet and I was in a race this year. And it was one of those moments where you're late in the marathon and an Ironman and it's hurting. And it's like, I just wanted to stop. And I was out of the prize money and a lot of guys drop out. And it was like, you know what? Now I've got a baby coming. I am, you know, I will not set the example for him that I'm a quitter. I'm not going to, you know, that's, that's quitting is not an option now. And I want to show my son what I'm made of and set that example for him that if you work hard at whatever you want to do, if you want to be a brain surgeon or a rodeo clown, whatever it is, if you give everything you've got every day, that you can be successful at it. And so that's that's now part of the why. Um, Dude, that that's, is, that's, that's freaking solid. That's what people need to hear. And to hear oh. that from you, who, <laughs> you know, you've walked this course, you've, you've done this, you've you start. I started at the bottom. Now I'm here, and a little it Drake all, reference there. right. Okay. It's 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 Seriously. all based upon the fact that you had a desire to. All if I were to, I'm trying to put this in different terms. You wanted to see just how far you could go. Yeah, you wanted exactly to push it. yourself beyond comfortable and excel as far as you could, as fast as you could. You made a point earlier. You said when I wasn't. Well, I think you said if when I wasn't in school, I was training. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, the mindset of, well, I really want to have a friend, you know, I want to really have, I, I want to be a parties. I want to go hang out with my friends. I want to be social. And you made a choice to say, yeah. no, that's cool. That's just not me. Right. I want to push myself. And so how do I do that? I'm going to dive into this like a tick and get stuck in it and just here you are. It's the worst analogy ever. Yet I visualized it like <laughs> yeah. a boss. No, you dug like, in it. Honest, is that my? Is that? But is that what you want to do? I mean, you want to yeah, dig yeah, in you, it. Dig you in. You say that, it, and there's a there's a scene. Uh, one one of my all time favorite movies is Predator, and uh, and there's a scene where where um, Jesse the Body says, you know, it says he's dug in there deeper than an Alabama tick. <laughs> and there you go. Um, there you go. There's t- there's a, there's a couple like movie references that sometimes in races, like you know when, when I need some visualization that yeah. pop into my head, that's one of them. I'm like, it's time to you know when it, when it's late in the race, it's time to dig in. And the other one I think of is um, from the movie Jaws when um, when Quint the um, the old sea uh, salty sea captain is talking about the great white and he's and he talks about when they're out. You know, when nature takes over and the, their eyes roll back in their head before they strike. Right. And that's the other one imagine. And all that is is saying now I'm kind of changing courses here. But that's saying, you know, I think of that as you've done the training. Yep. Now just Lock let, it in. Nature, let your body take over. Let And so when I'm in that race and it's hurting and your brain is your brain's doing circles around you, making you want to quit and slow down and walk. And this yep. guy's going to catch me. Oh, and then it's like, just let your eyes roll back in your head like a great white about to strike and just let nature take course. Yep. And um, Do what course, you've done. Jeremy calls yeah. it the victory lap. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it's your, your, your body. Your body so, knows what to do. So here's a question, yeah. and maybe you can do this. Uh, we like to tailor this to everyone, not just the novices, but the people that are trying to get into the sport, maybe, or looking to get into <laughs> the sport, people that are in it that are early, the people that are trying to get to, to pro level, and the people that are pros, really. If you had, and maybe you, you can't throw this out uh, randomly, I don't know, Another one on the spot. If you had three tips for someone that was getting into the sport and three tips for someone that's getting that's turning to a pro. Or wanting to advance. Wanting to advance to a pro level, what would you tell that person that wanted to start and the second one wanting to become pro? What would you tell them? Person wanting to start, first thing they have to do, and it goes back to your why and 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 the your your question about my why and uh, I'm coaching athletes now and so okay. first thing I ask my athletes to do is define their why and write it down write it down in a journal okay and but also I when when we have those initial talks I also want them to write out for me what their other commitments are in life because you can really you can only be good at a couple things in life and you have to pick what those are. So if you want to be a good spouse, a good parent, good at your job, you it, it's all about a balancing act. And what I see with this sport, because it's it can consume people, I've seen people neglect their families and neglect their kids. Yeah. And so when you're getting into the sport, I want you to understand why are you getting in and what do you want to get out of it? And what other things in your life are you willing to give up? And it's okay to not want to give up anything. So if you say, okay, I'm getting in and I'm going to do an Ironman, but I want to go to all my kids' soccer games, that's fine. But also know you may be finishing that Ironman in 16 hours and 59 minutes because you're not going to be able to go out and do every all the long sessions right. you need to do. Right. Sure. And Peter so, yeah, and so just – but no – Know that and then own it and yeah. don't be mad because, you know, the guys you train with on the weekend may be smashing you, but, you know, they aren't there. You know, you're going to the piano recital and they're going to swim practice. So so just know that and and, you know, embrace that part of it. Um, you know, that's only one thing, but I think that's the first thing when I talk, that's, probably talk the, that, that, that's that a probably big covers one. Them all, though. That's yeah, a that's big huge. one. That's yeah. really big. Yeah. Cause you don't, you know, you don't want to, you know, get into Iron Man and say, wow, you know, I really wish later on I would, you know, I wish I, I would have spent more time with my kids or, or what have you. It's almost easier as a professional, the family life side of it is almost easier because this is my job. This is my nine to five job. And so most age groupers, I think it's harder because you're working your nine to five job and then you've got to go to swim practice five in the morning and then run practice at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's like, it's much harder to balance work and family life than it is for a full-time professional triathlete. Actually, that's, that's right. my, my take on it. So, okay. so number one is so what, anyway. know your why, what is, what would you say for number two? Oh man, I have to come up with, uh, I'm, a yeah, I'm going to throw you out there. Um, yeah, come on, Pat. Consist- you're a professional. No, 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 no. Ser- uh, c- consistency, consistency okay. is king. Very good. Very yeah. good. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, uh, above everything else, just be consistent in your training. So yeah. many people fall off the wagon, get back on the wagon, and I'm not by saying consistency. Um, there was the, there's this 
crazy runner person in Austin who once told me he had run like something like 5,000 days in a row or something ridiculous. And I was like, well, that's not, con- that, to me, that's not consistency. That's just, that's just being crazy. But, <laughs> and there's a um, difference, <laughs> you know, you, consistency will lead to, and maybe this is point number three or point okay. two, 2.1 is focus on small incremental gains over time. Good. And those will add up and, um, you know, focus on getting that next one second per hundred off in the pool or, you know, focus on those small gains and then they will add up over time. One, I, one of my good friends, um, training partners, we train in the same squad, uh, close friend, Tim Don, uh, ITU world champion, multiple time Olympian. Yeah. And, and so we, we train together almost every day, um, and he is a huge advocate of small gains over time and right. consistency. And that's, that's, t- Tim's been doing this, you know, Tim can, Tim's run a 28 minute, uh, 10 K before open 10 oh. K. And <laughs> it's because he's been doing this since he was, I, I, I mean, he's been doing this since he was like 13 and working on those tiny gains sure. and he's meticulous in his details. And it, not all of us are going to, you know, almost none of us will get to Tim's point in um, in terms of talent. But focus on those small incremental gains over time. The I think the last thing I would tell someone getting into it is um, know how to know how to differentiate between hard and easy. Hmm. And um, such a big one. That is a big, a big one. It is. Yeah, know how to take your easy stuff easy and your hard stuff hard. Fast people and don't want to go slow. They just don't. No, no. They and just don't. <laughs> most of the best professionals I know are the best at doing that. And so sometimes it's like, I don't mind. I'll train with anyone. But most of the time when age groupers come and say, oh, we want to go go on a bike ride with the pros, most of the time we're – we're dreading it because it's going to be too hard because the age groupers come in and start nailing it mm-hmm. and, and they ride, they either ride or run on their easy runs, easy rides way too hard. And that just makes you tired so that you're not, you're not rested enough to on your hard days to really put the throttle down to make those gains you need to make. Um, you know, just it's the old like junk miles. Everyone talks about junk miles you there is an endurance component so you do need a foundation of endurance um but you know it, it it's okay to go easy you know i you know, i love running i love running nine minute miles on my easy runs <laughs> you know, you know I, Pat, it's, it's it's funny that you say that because there's uh and i i've spoke on this on other podcasts before and i actually tell the story to to people that i coach and age groupers and friends and whoever i tell it to because this one fella um uh, you might know him. I used to live in Austin, Chris um, McDonald, maybe. So yeah, no one knows who that is. Yeah. So, <laughs> and him and Pat used to be big buddies. I think. Uh, I, I guess you guys probably still get together now. But um, uh, we're out on a ride. He was when I worked for Cop Cycling. We're out riding. And I'm like, holy shit! You know, this is when I was like still wide eyed and, and and ready to go. And uh, he come up to town, and <clears throat> we're out on the ride. And I'm like, dude, why are we riding 14 miles an hour? Like you can ride yeah. 25, 26, 27 for an Ironman. Why the hell are we riding 14? He goes, mate, it's an easy ride. Take it <laughs> effing easy. And I'm like, and it clicked. I was like, holy shit. Like, you know, one of the top guys in the world said, take it easier than I think easy is. And so that's always stuck for me. And that's a huge, I think that is a, I mean, 
I'm not going to rank that as better advice than the other ones you gave because those are three solid pieces. But it's like that's a that's a huge opportunity that I think a lot of meat is left on the bone for for age group athletes without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, when you when you go to run, you know, the, I I call it the Kenyan Shuffle. And one uh, I, I learned in Austin running with some of the uh, the African runners we had there that you know they'll run so easy. And I was at a a, a big running race in Austin that had a professional running field. So there were a bunch of Kenyans in town and I think it was a half marathon with a prize purse and stuff. And I remember watching people warming up that morning before their half marathon and the Kenyans were out there literally shuffling probably 12 minute miles. Yeah. 12 minute miles. I'm guessing. And I'm like, these guys are going to run sub five minute mile pace for this half marathon, but they're warming up at like a 10 to 12 minute mile. Yet right. the people who are going to hold an eight to eight thirty minute mile pace are warming up at an eight God, minute mile pace. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> um, so, so that's a, that's a thing. Learn when I was in Austin, and, and anyone who knows Austin and knows Town Lake Trail, it's a big running trail. A lot yep, of people yep. can be crowded. Beautiful. Beautiful, probably the best urban running I'd say that I've ever come across. But on on my easy run days, I go by myself, and I'd say. I do two different tests sometimes to make sure I'm running super easy. One is just close your mouth and breathe, try to breathe through your nose. That's going to slow you down. Solid. That's that slows you down really fast. Mm, good um, and then the second one, I and because also, because Town Lake Trail was really crowded, this one would work. And I say I have to be passed by a soccer mom pushing a stroller. Nice mm, life run. goals. Life goals. <laughs> yeah. It, if I if that doesn't happen, I'm running too fast. And that would force me, you know, that would force me to go out and run easy. And and a lot of times I would do those runs by myself because most people I knew wouldn't want to run that easy. So I, th- those are some of the pieces of advice for people who want to go to the next level, especially on the professional racing. The number one thing is the first thing you're not entitled to anything. That Wait, professional hang on, license, hang on, hang on, back up and say that one more time. I'm a yeah, fast you're, guy. What do you owe me? Air quote. Yeah, <laughs> right. And that's the thing. Like we were talking about, there are 1,200 professionals out there. So if you come in with the attitude of, I'm a pro triathlete, what are you going to do for me? You're not going to get anything. There are probably only, you know, three to, I would say, let's say 10 guys and 10 girls in the world who can get away with just being fast. And that's Fredino and Gomez and Brownlees and Daniela Riff and Rini. They're the people that you can name. And then there's another 1,180 people that are were just all in the mix. And so your job as a professional is to create value for sponsors. And just saying, I'm fast, guess what? There's somebody faster than you unless your name is Gomez or Brownlee. And then, uh, and then there's still somebody faster than you on other days of the week. <laughs> right, exactly, right, right. exactly. So you need to you need to treat – and the other thing is you need to be professional. You need to uh, – um, maybe I'm getting on a soapbox here, but you no, need to good. act professional. You need to – you know, if you get on the podium, and one of my pet peeves, and I might not make many friends with saying this, is your job is to represent your sponsors. So when you go to races – you know, find ways to put yourself out there. Sometimes it's not easy. And it, it, it sometimes is a matter of 
volunteering for stuff. And I'll give an example like this year, um, Ironman Coeur d'Alene, uh, Leon Griffin, Paul Matthews and I um, handed out uh, medals at the Iron Kids race the day yeah. before the race. And yeah. Coeur d'Alene that year, it was over 100 degrees. And we were out there for like two hours. It was in the morning, but it was still the day before an Ironman. That definitely didn't help our race, but we did it to get us ourselves out there in the community, get ourselves, you know, Ironman did ask us to do it, but, you know, there are professionals that turn those things down and say, no, no, I'm not going to do it. And it's like, no, that's our job. Like, you're we're out there. Right, right. And, you know, one, I, I was going to, this is what I was going to say that that won't win me any, any um, fans uh, in the professionals, but when it's, when, when it's podium time, that's your time to be a professional and represent your sponsors. So when people go up on a podium and they're in flip-flops and shorts and a t-shirt, you know, you don't look professional, right. you know, guys throw on some slacks, throw on a shirt with your sponsors on it. Um, you know, girls wear something that shows your sponsors. I get, you know, my pet peeve is I know some of the female pros want to look nice and put on a dress and something like that. But you know what? You watch NASCAR, watch professional yachting, watch Formula One. When the professionals are in any on any po professional cycling, when they're on a podium, when they're anywhere, they are head to toe in their sponsors' gear, and that that is something that that you should be doing. Um, kind of went off on a tangent there, but so, so first thing, act, act professional. Do you have? Let me ask you this real quick. <laughs> do you uh, you eat Little Caesars when you're up there? <laughs> you know, I haven't eaten Little Caesars on a on a podium yet, but that, I always do. I, uh, have, challenge has been extended. It's been requested. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what I've always you know what I've always wanted uh, to do is you know like uh, and this would take a little planning, and I have to you know I have to do well in the race, or otherwise it wouldn't look great. Whenever you know, whenever um, in the big races, you know whoever's kind of on the podium or winning, they always seem to pick up their country's flag and run across the finish line you know, holding the country's flag kind of above their head or like a cape or whatever. I've always said, you know what I should do is, is plant someone in the finisher shoot with a pizza box and run over the finish line. With like instead of holding a, a <laughs> you know, instead of a flag with a pizza box. Let's back up a second. I'm actually going to derail that train of thought just for a moment, Pat, because one thing you and I have dealt with each other on a, on a sponsorship basis and you know how I think and function and it's pretty much a no bullshit approach when it comes to that. And, and you're very much the same way. But what I will say is without saying anything really else, if you look at the amount of non-endemic sponsors in the sport right now, the non-triathlon-related companies that, that pump money into the sport, I could probably count five or six on one hand. Yeah, yeah. I only actually have five, hand, five fingers on one hand, so it would take two hands to count six. But um, So obviously, there's something in place there that you truly understand that, and that's something that I've, you know, I've tried to mentor people as far as pros when I work with them and try to help and guide people, but it, it is at the end of the day, um, you're only as good as your last race. As a professional, yeah. you're only – because God forbid you could get some silly injury. You could – I mean look at Rennie. She got hit by a car a few days before world champs. She was pretty much yeah. guaranteed to have a podium slot. You know, and yep. got hit by a car, and you can't do anything about that. Yet she's got the sponsorship backing that she's okay. You know, she doesn't yeah. fall ten rungs from the top. She can continue to pursue her dream and chase her goals. And so, with that being said, I mean, obviously, I, I want to commend you just because 
fuck, I like pizza to be honest with you. But um, just the <laughs> fact that you know you got a non-endemic title sponsor, which I know a lot of pros would give just about anything to have a non-endemic title sponsor. Yeah. I mean, it, that's. Yeah. I think the only thing I think the only only thing quicker than a little Caesar's pizza is Patty Vo. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. No, no, Jeremy, you, you hit on something very important. And and when it and I guess this is my second piece of advice for new pros coming in is sponsorship is very, very difficult. You know, I all my friends in the sport, we're all in the same boat. And it's all we're always talking about, oh, you know, this sponsor dropped me, or you know, that and the, the industry sponsors, it's it. Someone made the analogy once, and I love it. Um, so I, I I can't I can't claim that I originated this one, but someone said when t- with the industry sponsors, and I'm talking the bike companies and and the um, wheel companies, it's like um, someone there's a box of rats, and someone throws in a couple Cheetos in there. And we're all fighting over those few oh, little dude. scraps. Oh, dude. So. We need, to, so, hey, we need to get off this train very quickly, Pat, before I, before <laughs> I put my true feelings out there in my uneducated <laughs> opinion. But the, the key is with sponsorship and what I've learned is it's one and it's, like, and, and it's no different than any other business relationship. It's, it's 100% about your personal relationships and your network and who you know. I've never once gotten a sponsorship through emailing you know, sponsorship at companyx.com. Never once have I ever gotten anything like that. So it's your job to get out there and work your connections. And for non-endemic sponsors, like you're talking about, you have to go through and say, okay, who are my friends? Who do my friends know? Who do my family know? You know, in my local community, maybe there's somebody that is in your master's group that knows someone or, or is part of a business. It's almost better noticing when I moved to Boulder, it was an interesting shift going from in Austin, there's not very many pros in a, in a pretty big scene there to Boulder where you're just one of a hundred pros. And so if you live in a smaller community, take advantage of that and work that community rather than trying to go out, unless you're winning big races, um, and have an agent that can go out and do that for you. You're, it's going to be very difficult for you to get those industry sponsors unless you have those personal connections. So right. take the effort and it's, it's hard and it doesn't always work, but go to Interbike and go out there and meet people. And it's like treat Interbike like a job fair, go out there and you will get, you'll hand out 50, a re- hundred resumes and have, you know, people say, to your face, sorry, we can't do anything. Or yeah, we can do something. And you follow up with them a week later and they say, sorry, we can't do anything. And you'll get a ton of no's, but every once in a while you'll make a personal connection and maybe that will turn into something and you just got to keep working those and working those and working those. So I guess bring it back full circle, the the attitude of I'm a pro, what are you going to do for me? Gets you nowhere in this industry. Right, and, right. and it's a small industry. The people like like Jeremy, when you were working in other industry jobs and people, the people, especially on the marketing side and the athlete management and sponsorship side, a lot of times they've worked at different companies and it's a small, small industry and they hop around. And so they know people and they know, they know. So if you come in and you're a young guy just getting in the sport and you go to someone 
And it's like, guess what? That person has worked already with Andy Potts. That person has worked with Crowey. So you come in and you've got, you know, a 13th and a 15th place at a couple 70.3s. Great. You're 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 at the start of the, of the journey. But don't go in with the attitude uh, to, to those people and try to play Jerry Maguire with them. Because guess what? They've they've been around a long time and they've seen world champions come and go. So, you know, be humble and then just work and work and work. Chris McDonald, like you said, he said no one's going to work harder for you than you. And and Chris is someone who I admire in terms of his. He has a true understanding of the business side of racing and creating value for his sponsors and. and he and I talk about that all the time is how do we do that? How do we go beyond just just racing to create that value? So okay. Okay. Um, I've kind of talked in circles, but but um, those those are some of my thoughts. OK, very good. Very good. Yes. Yeah, so, so, Pat, I just had a um, kind of, I guess, in in, uh, in an attempt to keep the show under four hours, which we know you and I have been on the phone before. And I'm sure you can look up phone records. and It's we talk forever <laughs> when you and I get going. So um, <laughs> A couple of a couple of things I wanted to ask from uh, from an athlete standpoint is you know it's all well and good as as an age group and I'm gonna I'm gonna speak from an age group standpoint it's uh, well that Pat Evo he's a pro like he just gets to exercise for a living well that's true and I I know what the behind the scenes stuff what really goes on but what I want to ask you is how do you find especially now it's no longer just hey I think I'll wake up today and I'll eat this and I'll go for a six hour bike ride and I'll come back and blah blah blah. How do you now balance? And I've had this conversation with um, Andrew Starkowitz and obviously with Chris McDonald before because they're both newer parents. Um, yeah. How do you balance it? Like, how do you? Because this is something that that I would say, out of my client base, I would say that definitely the majority, if not 75, 80 percent of them, struggle at some point in the year with the balance of, and it, they may not have kids, but the balance of life, the social, the social aspect of of human interaction work stresses things like that you know if you had to pinpoint one thing that kind of helps you keep your head screwed on straight when when times kind of get tough for you what do you do well well the first thing is it's in that respect it's almost easier not easier simpler simple but not easy it's simpler for a professional as when when talk about the work-life balance because it is your job so when you're when you're making decisions, life decisions, you have to say, look, this is my job. If you were a salesman and, you know, your boss said you got to fly to Wichita, Kansas and go to this convention, you would go because it's your job. So when you have something on the training plan, yeah, it might be a long bike ride and it can be fun. It can also be hard. It can also be like you're so tired you don't want to do it, but you just say, hey, it's my job. I got to do it. Um, right. And like what I was talking about before, when you, once you have the family aspect of it, then it becomes even more. Or when you're trying to pay your bills, you know, like when things get hard and, you know, everyone struggles with the motivation or you've been injured and you just you know that guess what? Fitness is a perishable skill or a perishable aspect of you. So. If you stop training or you just start skipping sessions that you're supposed to do, that your coach assigns, your your fitness, your speed, it will fade. And it 
when you get to that next race, you won't have what you need. Yeah. And guess yeah. what? Every one of your competitors, they're out training today. Yeah. And so if you're just lacking motivation, say, ah, you know what? I don't want to do this session. Know that when you get at that start line, you want to be 100% confident that you've done everything in your ability to be as fast and as fit as you can. You know, like we was talking about the motivational speaker, Eric Thomas, and he says, he says, you know, you will not outwork me and you, you better get to a point in your life that if somebody beats you, they better beat you because they're strictly more talented than you are, that they didn't outwork you. And I, that's, that's you know kind what, of that, like that, my mindset. I'm going to pause you right there because I think that is not just solid training and triathlon and endurance sport advice. That's solid life advice. Yep. I don't care if you're in the business world, if you are, you know, you have a young family and, and, you know, uh, Prefontaine said it, somebody, you know, if somebody's going to beat me, they're going to have to bleed to do it. Similar, similar yeah. mindset. It's you're going to have to do something extraordinary to get one over on me. And that's in any aspect. I mean, and, and Craig can probably attest to that. You know, it's, that's something that is, and that's what we found, Pat, is a lot of the stuff that we talk about transcends the sport. Yes, we talk about endurance oh, yeah. sports, but it transcends it, and it's it's life lessons that that this sport we're fortunate enough for the sport to teach us. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. And one of the now that mindset has it's also a double edged sword. And one of the things I've struggled with in my career, racing career, is that there is a limit and there's a line where if you go in with only that I'm going to outwork everyone mentality, there is this notion of doing too much and under resting. And that's where I was self coached for a number of years. And, and so during that time, I made a lot of gains doing that kind of having that mentality. But now I've learned, okay, I do need to rest more. You know, I am getting older, so I can't train like I, like I'm in my twenties. Right. Acceptance Um, of who you are and where you're at. Right. So now I'm, I, I will work as hard as I possibly can, but with a smart plan in place right. so that I'm not just, you know, hitting my head against the wall, you know, going and pounding sand by just putting in, you know, three, five hour rides a week of just endurance riding. Cause at this point in my development, that's not going to get me anything. Right. Um, right. so, so there, there is a, there is a, uh, a caveat to what I was saying, saying before. Yeah, but, ab- absolutely. And those are, those are very, very, uh, very solid points. And like I said, those are, those are life lessons that can be taken away, um, from the sport that we, that we love. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So ready. Are we ready to go? Um, we've got, yeah. we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to ask a couple questions. Then we'll wrap this thing up. You ready? All right. Give me one second. Hi, everyone. My name is Ray Delahoufi. As an athlete of endurance sports, you're probably a lot like me, looking for ways to efficiently and effectively get as much performance from your body as possible. While we tend to focus more on physical training, being prepared mentally can have a huge impact on training and race day performance. That's why I reach out to mental coach Craig Willard at u-discovered.com. I utilize him to get maximum performance gains from the mental training processes Craig puts in place for me. Give him a call at 502-320-8731 or visit his site at www.u-discovered.com. Shameless plug, Pat. Don't judge us. 
<sighs> no, that's your job. Hey, that's your job. Nothing wrong with that. All right. Ten questions. Pat, you got them? Give me one through ten, and I'm going to ask a question. We're all going to answer them real quick. And you don't get to think about it. You yeah, just you've got, you got to go. You got to go. Oh, all right. okay. This is rapid, rapid, rapid fire. Rapid fire, three questions. Give me a number one through ten. We're going to get the jingle? Hold on. I didn't record that stupid thing for nothing. Question time. There you Thank go. You. <laughs> <laughs> That's embarrassing. All right. Let's uh, give me a number. Give me a number one through ten, Pat. Okay. Oh, I'm saying one. Yeah. One through ten. Oh, Give, okay. Pick a number. Any number. Okay. Uh, seven. For an engineer, <laughs> you had a hard time with well, numbers. Like <laughs> what is the weirdest <laughs> prank call you have ever made? Ooh. The weirdest one. prank call I've ever made. I, I have to go back to the college dorms there. I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. Take it back. <laughs> Way oh, back. Oh, man. Or, or middle school. I have a really uh, good one. I honestly can't remember one. I'll just I'll just blame it on on we'll defer on training training <laughs> fog. I, I, honestly, I, I that one I, I need I need a few minutes to okay. to, to right. go back to Jeremy, you know I, I had a lot of fun in dorms. It. You were a goody two shoes. Just face it. It's okay. We're not going to judge. You. Oh no no <laughs> I I had my fun. I'm just trying to remember the. Prank calls, if any are appropriate to put on this, Here's one. Uh, on this podcast. I'll give you one. Right, I'll, Craig, I'll, give, I'll give you mine. So several years ago, I'm at work, and I go across the office, and one of the girls that's in HR, she's buying this car, and she's so excited. She's bought, she's bought this uh, Infinity from um, another state. And so I'm looking over her shoulder. I'm like, what are, you, what are you doing? She goes, I bought this car. And so I just happened to remember, remember the name of it, and I remember the dealership. And she was like, yeah, it, I mean, I bought it. We're just going to go up there and, and do the paperwork and whatnot. And I'm going to get it. And I was like, awesome, great. So I leave. I go across the hall. I grab my cell phone. And I have this app on there that actually changes the phone number that it sends out as the caller ID. And so I can fake the call number. So I ended oh, wow. up using my phone. And a buddy of mine, we called her. And we faked the number of that dealership. And we oh, told Jesus. her that her, that her um, credit was too bad. And that we couldn't actually sell her the car and that she was going to have to do something else if she was going to want to get this car and we were going to have to sell it to someone else. And she was like, but, 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 and I said, we're like, no, we're sorry. Um, it's just so bad that there's nothing we can do for you. There's nothing we can do to help you. We're not going to be able to sell you this car. I'm really sorry. And we just hung up. There's a special place in hell for a guy like you. (laughs) And I walked across the hall to, to her and she was like stone faced. And then when she saw me, and of course we started dying laughing, and she realized it was a prank. And it was it was probably one of my better ones. That was absolutely amazing. Dude, I got nothing. I cannot follow that. I have nothing. Pat, I hope you have something. Uh, no, you know, the only off the top of my head, the only thing I can remember is at my old job, um, it, working when I used to work in the cubicle world, around that time, um, People came out with like uh, apps that would play little clips of Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice, <laughs> and and we would we would call people on our floor and the cubicles like you know somebody three cube rows over, and and you and you put the phone up to the app and it would you know Arnold's voice would say yeah, know, yeah. hello how are you you know I'm a cop you idiot <laughs> and it'd say yeah who who is your daddy and what does he do and you, I remember and you push that. the buttons and. Yeah, yeah. So I, I remember we I remember doing some of that, but man, yeah, this is a tough one. Okay. Right. Number 
Number four. Well, this one's going to be right up your alley. Uh-oh. What is your perfect pizza? Oh, dude, how did you get that? I'm kidding. That's horseshit. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm a traditionalist. I, I'm cheese and pepperoni. Just uh, hot and ready. Little Caesars, hot and ready. Cheese and pepperoni. There you go. Although <laughs> I am in, I am enjoying the, the, the deep, deep dish. Um, you know, I used to be a normal round pizza person, but I, I do enjoy a Little Caesars deep, deep dish as well. Awesome. Awesome. Jeremy? Yeah. Dude, easy. I'm going to go. We, we eat a shit ton of pizza here. Uh, it some like of it, it. I, I have, I have been, I know, right. I have been known to, uh, it's getting cold in Houston. Screw you. Uh, <laughs> I have like been 50s? known to slide by the old, uh, the old hot and ready, but, uh, usually my, my go-to if we sit down is, is like a meat lovers. That's usually the go-to. Yeah. That's the same for me. I love all the meats on there, but you know, we, we actually, we use little Caesars all the time. I love little Caesars. Can't, can't complain. So about it. It's, it's so fast. I mean, just pull up. Grab a pizza and go. I don't have to wait forty five minutes for someone to come by. So yeah, awesome. but but hang on, hang on. Do you remember? And I was telling somebody this the other day. Back in the day, Little Caesars had that long, freaking rectangular like tray. Bag. Yeah, yeah in the bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bag. It was huge. Yeah. I don't know how the hell my parents ever fit that like in the front seat of the car to bring it I home. Now that, that I think about it, but it was it oh was, yeah, I like, remember two pizzas side by side. I remember driving with my dad up to the Little Caesars to pick it up, and you know, I'd be in the passenger seat, and that thing would sit on my lap, and it would be like scalding, scalding. Hot oh my god! Yeah, yes. yeah. How, how did yeah. we not die as kids? How did the three of us? <laughs> I just, how did we not die as kids? Yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, the bag, it was great because that and was they had that the was Caesars, the pizza, pizza days. Yeah, yeah they give you the pizza, pizza, the Little Caesars, uh, yeah. Little Caesars, uh, little teddy bear thing. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Anyway, next one, Pat. One to ten. Okay. Uh, number one. I'm going to hit you morally and ethically with this one. Oh, okay. shit. Would you be willing to lie to a court Ooh. for a best friend if it meant saving him or her from going to jail for life? Ooh. Oh, Pat. Hey, that seat. Remember <laughs> that that pizza, is pizza way. hot. Seat you're in is hot. <laughs> <laughs> And, I, I, and, uh, and if you what, if you choose not to answer that, when we can go to another one, that's, that's a like, tough you know, question. You know, you know what's funny? I was uh, one of my favorite TV shows is Thirty Rock, and huh? I was just watching an episode um, the other day, and and one of the characters was giving a uh, a hypothetical hypothetical situation, kind of like that, to another the other character, and he goes, "I don't believe in hypothetical situations because it's like lying to your brain." <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So I'll, I'll leave that one like that. Okay. Well, let's. Let me, I'll, I'll switch down here. Here's another one for you. Would you Would you be willing to eat a bowl of crickets for forty thousand dollars? Oh, yeah. we're gonna yeah. call that. We're gonna call that a, on, 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 call that a ten ounce bowl. Yeah, You're easy. To a professional triathlete. And as <laughs> as as done uh, as good as all time. Yeah, I, I, for dollars. For forty grand, I would let you go out in the backyard and fill up the bowl with whatever you can find. And I'll eat it. It's awesome. It's uh, Would you do That's it? That's why I love Jeremy. Right there. Would you do it, Jeremy? Oh, damn right. <laughs> done. I'd be done. Yep. Oh, dude. That, it's, don't even put him in the bowl. No, just, no. Obama right wants his half just, now. Just to put it in perspective, you have to get between second <laughs> and third place in Kona to make 40 grand. Ooh, that's it. Think about that. That Think is a that. very good perspective. Yeah. I always put it. I've always put it in prize money perspective. <laughs> 
so, it, it's almost here. actually bringing it bringing it back to racing whenever you know one of the other things i do at the end of a race like when you're really hurting and the guy you know let's say you're in whatever place fifth place and and the sixth place guy is right behind you and the prize money difference is like 500 bucks and you've got five miles left to go i always ask myself that if someone said for five hundred dollars go out and run five miles as hard as you can, can right now would you do it you know for a thousand bucks you know whatever the prize money difference is that's kind of a game I play with my oh, head. That's an interesting so one. Was, that's, yeah. that's beautiful mind control. Beautiful mind yeah, control. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't so, always uh, work, but I try. All right, Pat, let's do this. I got I got one personal question for you. So you're and this will be we'll wrap it up after this, but your last race of of this year that you cashed a check in, how much was that check for? And which which race was it? Uh it was Challenge Xtapa. Um and I believe well, I haven't cashed a check yet. I'm still waiting to get paid. <laughs> oh, they do that too. That's always convenient. We won't discuss that. That's a whole other podcast. Uh, no, but uh, um, I – so I can't remember. I feel it was in euros. I think it's around maybe somewhere in the 1700 to $2,000 mark even, for US Even better dollars. that it's in euros. Let's pretend it's in 2,000 euros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so so somewhere, somewhere it's, in there. If it's 2,000 euros, we're going to test your little engineer brain, see if it's still there. How many hot and ready pizzas can you buy with that check? <laughs> well, it depends what, what state. Hot and ready pizzas, yeah, they're, they're different costs in different states. I see what you did there, Pat. Way to defer. Because, because <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here shielded. like, oh, shit, they are really? Well, I got nothing then. I, there's no right yeah. or wrong. Yeah, they're, they're, most are around the $5 mark, but – but you know, some are some are five ninety nine, um, some are you know four ninety nine or right at five dollars. I believe I was in Kona, and I feel like because everything you know the cost of food's much more expensive. I think the hot and ready in Kona was maybe a dollar more. So you got to tell me where I'm at before I can do some mental math like that. <laughs> you know, I'll leave it at that. Pat, yeah, we're man, good. So we're good. Get the hell off my show, Pat. Well, <laughs> well Jeremy, <laughs> well played, brother. Well played. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. I really, really appreciate it, and and Definitely. hope everyone has a great time uh, around the holidays here. Absolutely. Hey, and you, how do people get a hold of you if they want to get yeah, a hold of you? Yeah. Want to find out about some of your races, what you've done? Give you a bowl of crickets. Plug it in. Plug yeah. it in. Yeah, Where? yeah. Okay. Um, easiest way. I have a website. That's patrickevo.com. That's okay. my last name spelled E V O E. I'm also Twitter at Patrick Evo. I have a Facebook racing page. That's Patrick Evo Racing. Um, and, uh, and I'm always happy to answer questions and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. my email is P J E V O E at yahoo.com. Right. Um, you know, I'm also, uh, I'm also coaching on the side as well. So this is a time of year when people are switching coaches. Um, I do have spots open for athletes as well. So if anyone's interested in talking, uh, drop me an email, mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, private message me on Twitter or something like that. And I'll, I'll uh, Get back to you. Sounds you just good. gave me your email address, and uh, I already had it, but I'm about to sign you up for the Democratic <laughs> National Convention. Uh, uh, see if we can uh, get you some of those cool emails they've been sending out here lately. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, all right, okay, well, I'll, I'll look forward to it. <laughs> all right, we'll, so we'll hook you up with that one. So, if you want to get hold of Jeremy over there at mondrightmultisport.com, he also is at Facebook forward slash mondrightmultisport, or you can also get a hold of me at uh, at u-discover.com or uh, reach us at four. Uh, <laughs> I'm all over the place. The hell's uh, 
performance. I usually kick this spot pretty well. Performance on demand podcast at gmail.com. Please let us know if you like these podcasts. If you want to be on the show, let us know that too. Share Come these with people that want to know. We'll set that up. Chat with chat with Pat. That sounds like a really good you see what idea. I did there? Yeah. I should have been a damn rapper. I Pat, knew it. Pat, we just signed you up, brother. Sorry. You're in. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Right. I don't know if you guys know uh, James Hadley, the pro triathlete, but yep. uh, after swim practice, he's always talking in the hot tub. So Chris McDonald thought we need a podcast, uh, hot hot tub with Hadley. Hot tub with Hadley. Leave it to Chris. I swear uh, to God, we gotta get him on here soon. All right. We should get both you suckers on. I bet you guys that, got that some dirt on each other from the that training days fun. in Austin. I'm sure there's some oh, yeah, good well, stories between you two. Yeah, well, you know, Chris is in uh, Boulder now, so Boulder he's now, back yeah. in one of my neighbors. Yeah, he's one of my neighbors again, so I see him now all the time. We, we, yeah. we, should, we should probably do that. That would be a lot we of should, fun. We should hook that up. That would be, be a fun little 20, 30-minute chat and uh, just get them two rolling. I'm, I'm pretty sure they've spent many hours in the saddle and running and swimming together. So, Pat, oh, thank yeah. you, brother. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it, man. Jeremy. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Later.